Welcome to another episode at the Be Guided and Be Great podcast, where being intuitive is understood and being sensitive is a good thing. I'm your host, Kate St. Clair. So welcome to today's episode, everybody. I have a very special guest and her name is Chris Gray. And Chris is a writer, an artist, an intuitive who has been trained in many shamanic traditions and techniques over the years. So welcome to the podcast today, Chris. Thank you for having me, Kate. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I want to let, for those of you listening, I want to let you know that I am recording this with Chris. So if you, I, I will have the link to the video in the show notes today. And because I overly prepare, you might hear me rustling papers. So (laughs) for those of you um, just listening, that's what's going on. So let me just give you a quick background of how I know Chris, how I met Chris. So I met Chris at my very first Ask a Meeting, which I think was 2010. It might have been 2011. And I was scared to death. (laughs) And and as I was kind of waiting for the show to get started, this just wonderfully beautiful tall woman walked in and I just immediately took to her, which is not my personality. I'm typically very shy and cautious. And we just started talking and, and then I had to start my show. And so after that initial meeting, I think you came to me for a private reading, not too long yes, after. And then not too long after that, I offered my first mentorship program. And I just have to tell this little story that you were one of you. I think when I sent you the email, you, your response back was, why would I do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, because the guides say you're very intuitive. And so you're like, oh, OK. And you got into my very first mentorship, my first group, my first everything. I mean, you've been there for the very first kickoff of my big professional life. I had been taking clients for a couple of years before that, but that was really mm-hmm. that big Ask a Medium show was my launch into more um, public life. And um, in, in my memory, working with you in the group and through just mentorship in the early days, I mean, you were a game for everything and your, your gift was so incredible even then. But one thing you fought me on was your mediumship. Do you remember that? I mean, I yes, do. I do. Yeah. I've brought you on a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you definitely did. But that was, you know, and I hope we can talk about that a little bit, that that resistance to sometimes our, you know, one of our biggest gifts. I mean, I had it too, just the disbelief that I'd be a medium because there's that belief system that you would know, you know, like everybody knows when they're a medium. It's so obvious, but it's really not. It's, it's more complex than that when you're born a medium. So um, I think you were in my program until I moved to California. And then for two years, my family lived in California. And it was then where my career really shifted. And I went from public life as a medium to just my passion became working with fellow sensitives. Mm-hmm. And so when I moved back um, from California to Colorado, I was ready for a whole new mentorship program. And I reached out to you, would you like to do it? And you were game this time. Mm-hmm. You were a game where I had you work with that medium skill, I think from almost the first session. Well, I felt, um, I don't know, in the, in the time you were gone, I really thought a lot about um, what we had learned with you and um, how much I missed you as a person when, when you were gone. And I think I 
lost a lot of my reticence and fear about this because part of it was I didn't really know what mediumship was or how it works, even though I'd had a lot of exposure with you. And uh, I just was more, much more open-minded. So, and you had changed in the way you teach. So, and I like that better, yeah. you know, the, um, the depth of the work that you do and convey to people who want to learn how to do, um, how to be a medium. So, it just felt natural that I would uh, continue with you. Yeah, I love that. It's like in your resistance, I wasn't teaching the way I needed to to help you take that step. So it was like when the time was right for both of us. I mean, you you just took off like a rocket. <laughs> I just gave you a few cues on, on what we were going to do and how to tune in. And I mean, just from the start, you were so accurate, even as a medium. Um and I think that's important because I know a lot of people, it's like this process can be complex, but with the right guidance and, you know, what just it's kind of say, hey, look over there, there's a moose. We look over there and there's a moose, you know, uh, it's the same thing with intuition, like look over there, you know, what do you see? And then and, and that you see exactly what I see is the evidence of it. Or you yeah. see my grandpa and you describe his outfit. That's indisputable evidence. And um, just with some little bit of guidance, you just like that were able to see evidential medium information. Well, I felt like that was really helpful to me because, as I said, I had no idea really what is mediumship or how does it work or anything like that. So when you started giving me very concrete examples, you know, I'm kind of a uh, physical processor. So then it became easier to, oh, I'm looking for a grandpa, or, oh, I see someone who looks like this. Does that mean anything to you? And to get all that reinforcement, I don't know, it just seems to encourage me. And then I was like, oh, let's see what we can do today. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The evidential part is by far the most exciting. Which mm -hmm. is why I tend to love mediumship. Um, over kind of psychic prediction stuff, because like, we don't know, right? I mean, we're in the future, or there's possibility. Right. I, I find the medium stuff so exciting, because it is, I mean, your grandma either had black hair, or she didn't, you know, your right. grandpa, our, our, you know, our loved ones tend to have a style. And when you, you know, you've never met my grandparents, when you could just be like, there's a man here in overalls, and he, you know, um, it's evident I could show you a photo of my grandpa in, in his Southern overalls, you know, it's right, right. exciting, exciting stuff about mediumship. Well, and that you used, um, that you use such clear examples from your own life. Um, you know, I didn't have to guess. It's like, I see the man in overalls. Does this mean anything to you? And then you would say, oh yes. Um, so that, that was exciting to me because I couldn't say to myself, oh, this is my imagination, whatever. Um, you helped me really believe in what I was doing and seeing. And for me, that just hooked me. I thought, wow, this woman is cool. <laughs> Thank you, honey. I think my first question, I, I just kind of wanted to know, what was going on? What brought you to my first Ask a Medium show? What was going on in your life that you came to a medium show in the first place? Well, it, I was looking for 
I don't know, maybe some new things in my life. I had uh, been recently divorced and um, probably the most significant person in my life who had passed away was my brother. And I thought, eh, let me see if I can learn anything from coming to your event. And um, there really weren't that many of us. So you had some time to spend with us individually while we were still in a group. Yeah. Um, and I just felt like, ooh, and we were allowed to ask a question. So I felt you really hit the nail on the head about what I asked. And I thought like, hmm, I need to have a session with this beautiful person that I was talking to and uh, see what happens. So I tried to be open-minded and it was, you know, not too far from my house and offered through a, a, um, a writing group that I was a member of. So it was easy to say, sure, let's go check it out. No, um, no real intention. I was just looking for something different wow. in my life. So what had you been doing um, spiritually? Have you, had you been working? Had you been on a kind of a spiritual path after your brother passed away? Or were you ready for the next step in your spiritual growth? Or Well, I've kind of been a, um, a curious person my whole life. And I've always been, I think as a little kid, I could see spirits and talk to them. And um, I don't know. I just, you know, the first, first thing I learned was tarot. And that's because I was like 15 years old. And my brother took me to see a woman who lived in our community who was a tarot reader. And uh, so I became interested in that. And it's kind of like every time I found something new, like working with crystals or um, I, I would just check it out or take a class. And it's it's really part of a, um, a lifelong journey. And I went through times where I thought, oh, this is this is all my imagination and crazy and I would get that reinforcement from other people too but by the time I got to you I had learned a lot of things and a lot of it was uh, shamanic um, spiritual and healing practices although I'm not a shaman I do know a lot of stuff um, on that level and I just felt like you know, uh, I need I need some new stuff, and then you appeared. So uh, I feel like I've been guided along my life to uh, be exposed to all these different things. And you know, I did grow up in a um, not a fundamentalist but a traditional Christian family. So I did have some of the fears of I shouldn't be doing this or is this wrong. And actually, I found out it just really expanded who I was um, beyond traditional Christianity. And yet it didn't, you know, it didn't really change some of my core beliefs. But now I have a much, much bigger picture of what is spirituality than I did. So, um, you know, and I'm, and I'm still on that journey. Yeah. And right. I, never you know, I hope it never ends. Yeah. Did you find that? Um, so you spent mo uh, the first part of your life in New York City, you were born and raised. And mm -hmm. did you feel guided to move out to Colorado? 
um, to move out to Colorado. Yeah, did you feel guided to move out this way? No, not really. My my husband got offered a job in Boulder, and I just felt like it was time to leave New York, even though I had lived there my entire life. You know, my kids were little, and, you know, drugs were becoming much more prevalent, and the atmosphere was changing a little bit, and I didn't, I thought like, well, maybe it's, maybe it's time to get out, uh, take the kids somewhere where life, it'd be a different life experience. And so we came out to visit Colorado and I just thought, oh my God, this is so beautiful here and um, the mountains and, you know, just a whole different experience. And so I thought, okay, let's go. I don't know what it's going to be like, but let's check it out and go. And I felt like, you know, it, it was wonderful because I moved to a place where there were so many different kinds of people and in terms of their spiritual interests or um, what they were doing, that it was easy to get involved and take classes and things, which it was a little, not impossible, but a little harder to do in New York. New York. Yeah. So was there, did you feel like there is a, you know, even back in the day, because I know the city always changes, but did you feel like it was different out here in terms of shamanism or intuition or kind of a different spiritual vibe um, versus New York City, Chris? Oh, yes, I did. I felt like it was much, um, it didn't require as much work, really, to me, oh. um, to mentally put myself into a place where I could be open to stuff because, you know, living in, living in a big city, you have to deal with all the people and the commotion and buildings and all the traffic and everything that I feel um, distracting, you know, so it's harder to find that quiet place in yourself where receiving information is, is easier. Although I, I don't think I felt that so much as a kid, but I did as I grew up. Yeah, I can see that. I, I just have to make a note here. I, I was thinking back to when you and I met, you had had some shamanistic training and, you know, you, you had all these skills already. And just because I was your mentor um, doesn't mean I didn't reach out to you a couple of times for help. I mean, there was one time where kind of there was, you know, I, I, I have had outside offices and then I've had people come to my house for sessions. And there was this one particular year where I had a lot of clients coming into my home and my home just changed. And I reached out to you to clear my house and do a, a session. And let me tell you, that was a special, that was a special, I don't even know what the word is. It was such a special moment to be a part of what you did to my home. You did a session on my house, you cleared my house. And I mean, Chris has just the most beautiful, powerful gift of clearing of shamanism of journeying I even went to you for private sessions for journey sessions and I mean you've got some talent girl <laughs> uh, <laughs> I felt well, so honored to be part of that well I was so I was really pretty honored that you would want me to do that because you know certainly in the beginning I kind of put you on a pedestal and thought like oh I'll never be like her right. but we all we all have our own gifts and 
that was kind of fun, actually, because, oh, I'm doing something for my friend. So, and then, well, how do I, you know, to let you participate is really um, a wonderful thing because you can't always do that. And, uh, you know, so then we kind of moved on from there. But it was easier to me because you had a beautiful house, you know. So <laughs> there, weren't, there weren't too many boogeymen in the house. So, uh, I think that's an important note, you know, just like because somebody mentors in a certain area doesn't mean we're especially even including psychic stuff. It doesn't mean we're all knowing. We don't know everything. You know, I know I'm an expert in intuition and intuition exclusively or mediumship. And it, it, you know, we do put each other on pedestals. And I just think it's just really good to remember, like, you're an expert in different ways than I am. And I was, I was absolutely guided. Like when I had a problem, my guide said, go to Chris. And so I just think that's really important for people to hear, um, making sure that, you know, we're, we're all on the same level. It's just that we all have different expertise, expertises. Is that how you say that? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I feel like that's an important point too, Katie, that, uh, that that's a way you can begin to realize like you're into, you have more intuition than you think, or you pay more attention to it is who's, you know, you're attracted to different people for different reasons. And, I've tried to, because I've listened to my intuition when, you know, I went to see somebody that I just had a hard time with. And maybe that was a learning experience for me rather than something that was negative. So, um, and to, you know, when you find somebody that you really click with, that's all I feel like I was led. You know, it wasn't just some bright idea I had or saw an ad someplace. Um yeah. You know, it was, uh, you have to put yourself into your intuition and say, what do I want? You know, and that's, that's kind of how you get um, led and you get to get that experience so that you trust your intuition more. Okay. I, I didn't think to ask you this when I was preparing for our interview, but I would kind of like to talk about that briefly. So I think what you're saying is, you know, I too, like I, I felt like I was guided to people that did not elevate me, you know, they did not, you know, but I kind of had this belief system that, well, you must know more than me, you know, you must be better, you must have more knowledge. So I kind of just always went into groups or to a, a teacher with a sense of like, I don't know anything. <laughs> so um, like, for example, my mentor, I mean, she was just so, I I'd, I'd reached out for dec like a decade trying to find a mentor or somebody who could help me. And, and especially when I lived in Seattle, I kept finding just really, really eccentric people. And uh, there was a disconnect with that because I'm just kind of normal. You know, I'm kind of a traditional old country kid from Montana. And the, the eccentricity of it made me feel like, well, I'm not even psychic because I'm not that, you know, I, I'm not whatever the quirks were that they were. And so when I moved to Colorado and I kind of said that prayer to God, you know, take it away or help me figure this out. And I was guided to my mentor. She was so helpful and transformative for like the first two years. And then she went down a strange kind of path. <laughs> and it's kind of like, she got into some strange stuff where it's like, here, if you know, pay a thousand dollars for this herb or you'll die, like really strange. And I, 
I was much more comfortable being the student, not the teacher. And I really kicked and screamed when she went, oh, you know, kind of down away. I couldn't follow her. And I really had a step into becoming the teacher for myself. Um, and I love how you said it's these are all learning things. And maybe had she not gone down that funny road, I couldn't follow her on. I would not be here with you today. Right. So, can you share just a few of your experiences where you you were maybe guided to maybe the wrong teacher or the you know or something changed where you were forced to make a different decision with your path? Well, you know, I can't I I can't really or I don't want to really pick some specific people but there were situations where I felt like you know you mentioned okay this person was fine for you for a couple of years and that's kind of been my experience too it's not that I become better than they do or um, I'm not learning from them anymore but maybe they don't serve my particular path that I want to go on so um, then you find somebody else or, you know, that's, that's not a rejection of the person. It's right. just that I find like, well, this isn't so interesting to me anymore. And maybe I'll add something else over there. And, it, and a lot of times I felt like my discernment got honed by that kind of experience because many times I didn't know my own gifts. I didn't believe in my own gifts but excuse my English, it would piss me off sometimes when I realized that someone I was looking to as a mentor really wanted to use whatever my particular gifts were. You know, like one time it was like, oh, oh, Chris, you can write. So you can write my newsletter for me. They didn't ask me like, would you like to? It's, uh, you know, it's you, you, this is what you can do for me. And as a good New Yorker, I'm going to say no. You know, <laughs> like, Sorry, that's not going to happen. Or, or uh, you know, people would ask me to look into stuff that I was uncomfortable with. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that too. And even with you, um, you know, you used to, part of our training was in, in clearing, going to some place where maybe there was an uncomfortable spirit or something like that. And I just, this brought up all my childhood fears because I grew up in a house where somebody committed suicide. So, I was not interested in going to help people get spirits out of their house. <laughs> you know, I don't think that would scare me quite as much now, but it was that's how I would block myself sometimes from learning really helpful things. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's just because somebody doesn't appeal to you or you work with somebody for a little while and you don't feel like you're learning as much as you want, that's okay. You know, there's there are lots of people out there if you open yourself up to um, finding them. Yeah. Uh, I and I think I can say this. I, I did. I, I know you came to me with that pattern, that kind of, um, if you don't keep stay in my mentorship program, you and I won't be friends anymore. You know how we do kind of, you know, and, and I saw my mentor do that to some people. So I vowed like, whether you're with me or not, you know, especially the more time we spent together, I, I just, 
I've stayed in integrity in that with, I just support you wherever your path is, you know, working with me or not, it just doesn't matter. And I feel like that was a big pattern. You and I got to heal with each other, that, that trust, like, no, 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 I just, I adore you. You know, I respect you. And it was, it's, it's been that way for a long time, like well over a decade that you and I have been working with each other off and on. And that Mm -hmm. we've always had that mutual respect. And I feel like we just, because of that, we got to heal these patterns with each other that I don't even think about anymore. I forget that wasn't even an issue. I know. I, I'm really grateful for that. Um, I think it's important to, I've only known a couple of my mentors for a long period of time. And, you know, it's really wonderful to, you know, because I'm a generation ahead of you and my generation was a little more closed and, you know, to see you not only evolve as the wonderful medium and teacher that you are, um, but as a person too, you know, it's like you've remained the same person, you know, <laughs> you didn't go off the deep end or something <laughs> where, I, where I couldn't follow. So I've always been very grateful for that. Oh yeah, you'll you'll go with me. I'll go with you wherever we go. <laughs> Nothing's gonna change. Uh, I feel like because I think I I kept trying to get help and I kept seeing people put themselves on a pedestal, and you know because we're psychic, it's like you're not you're a normal person. You know, right. you might be really talented here, but that doesn't mean you don't have marital problems and kid problems and all the other stuff. And so that was another kind of vow I made to myself, like. Um, I'm just going to be Kate because that's all I am. You know, I'm not all knowing. I'm I'm not great with everything. I have my own struggles. And so, I don't know. I feel like my humility, it's something I practice because, uh, you know, life kicks you in the ass good enough for you. <laughs> you know? I mean, yes, yes you it does. Psychic as you want to. That doesn't mean, you know, you can fix everything for your kids or know everything for your husband or, you know, we, you know, and, and the other truth of intuition is our guides block us as much as they you know, encourage um, us to know stuff because we are in a human, we are, we are having a human experience. And a lot of that is just day to day to day. We don't know everything and we're not supposed to, (laughs) you know, but if we can reduce the crap we get into, you know, through the use of our intuition, I'm a big fan of that. (laughs) Oh, And and it's really very helpful because, um, I have found a couple of times I can derail myself like that <clears throat> because I don't trust my intuition and it comes back. Or, <coughs> excuse me. Sure, honey. My guides want me to do something and then I don't do it. And I find out, ooh, maybe I should have, t- you know, should have talked to that person or whatever it is. Yeah. And, you know, even those experiences helped me feel much more grounded and unafraid of uh, information that came to me or, you know, especially if you're out out in an event or a crowd or something, you can pick up on, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't stand next to this person here. Um, And something might happen that you realize like, yeah, I'm really glad I didn't. So it's, um, it's something that evolves all the time. And for me, it was hard to trust that. And yet now I do, I do trust it. So, and I'm very grateful. Yeah. I wanted to ask, um, 
you know, I know because I know you're an old soul, but for those listening, you know, how, how did you go from a New Yorker to coming to Colorado? And what was it about shamanism that kind of interest, interested you? Was it a logical pursuit? Was it um, an energetic pursuit? What was it, Chris? Mm, well, that's hard to pin down. I, I bet so. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just felt like the little bit that I did know or the things that I'd read or every once in a while I met someone who was really cool, interesting, uh, had shamanic training, that <clears throat> this seemed way beyond me. It seemed like, oh, well, I, I'll never learn any of this. And um, and yet I was, I was really attracted to it. And a, a funny story about myself is a... I had heard that, you know, you have to go in the ground or underground in order to get your information. And for some reason, I'd probably watched the Twilight Zone or something where somebody went into a cave and that was not a good thing to do. So I was afraid of the going into, into ground. And that's really some of the beginning of how you get taught techniques. And then a friend of mine took a class and she said, oh, don't be afraid. You know, you just, you don't go into some scary cave, but you do use the earth as your grounding. And I thought, hmm, well, if she could do that, then I'll try it. And so I became open to the beginning of, you know, how you can start some of these journey techniques or shamanic healing or things like that, is you create a space for yourself under the ground. So it's not the cave with the Twilight Zone monster, you know, it's, and you're, and you learn protection techniques and you learn how to ask the earth spirits to help you and all kinds of things that were very reassuring to me so I can continue on. And, you know, that's kind of a roundabout way of explaining that. But I had a wonderful, my first teacher I worked with for a couple of years. And, you know, I, I just really liked her and she was wonderful. And that led me on to finding other people along the way too. So I've had a lot of different, a lot of different teachers of shamanic techniques. And, you know, working with you, I have to say, is in the mediumship is not only did I learn mediumship, but I felt it helped all, all my other intuition because it taught me that mediumship is a way of using your intuition. So if you get good at that, um, you can stay with that or it might help you with other things that you're interested in too that use your intuition. Yes. That bring, brings up two questions for me. I'm going to just take a quick note because I want to make sure I ask you. So, um, okay. <laughs> when you do a session, can I ask, you know, like just say if somebody has a session with you, I know because I've had sessions with you, but for somebody listening, like to make it more three-dimensional, more tangible, what does that look like if somebody goes to you for a session? Well, I've kind of... Um kind of mixed in a few things over time. My first teacher told me that you have to learn the right way to do it and you have to do it this way. But after a while, maybe you can, you can make it a little more individual. So I've kind of, you know, instead of having to do three days worth of stuff with somebody, I can do some helpful things, you know, when they're actually with me. 
for an hour or so. But before they come, I do, you know, I do a lot of intuitive work. Like journey work is a way of uh, finding out information for people that is a little bit like a, um, a mediumship session. But I generally have, you know, three or four questions, unless the person has asked me something specific. Uh, and I'll and I'll do this journey work for them, and now I write it out and I'll I'll email it to them. But I read it to them during the session, and basically what I do is is I ask you to lie down on the um, a massage table just so it's easy for me to work around you, and I'll do a clearing. Um, you know, I'm not so worried about exactly what am I clearing. Uh, but it's like, I'll feel that I use my hands and I, I don't necessarily touch you, but I can. And I'll feel like, ooh, this area is a little different than this other area. So let me just move, you know, move that a little bit and clear, clear a person. And I might use um, bells or drums or rattles or sound like that. And uh, I might just use my hands to feel your field. And then I'll, um, then I do a technique of um, kind of reconnecting your whole uh, chakra system, including your, you know, you have chakras in your wrists and your hands and your feet and your knees. So I'll, I'll do something to help balance that. And what's cool about that, about any of this work, is I feel like, um, I think human beings are born into this world with a connection to what uh, energy, um, what is the ideal human being. So you kind of really, I'm really trying to reconnect them to their own, um, their own energy of, of what's, you know, what's helpful, what works for them. And so that's what the balancing is. It's it's an attempt to just help you reconnect to that. And then uh, then I'll read them their journey work. And then I'll just close with a blessing, you know, to uh, earth, air, wind, I mean, earth, air, water, fire. And, and that's it. So it doesn't take that long. Um, but the journey work is probably, you know, what people come for. They really like that stuff. <laughs> and then they like physically to be balanced, too. So that's kind of what it is. As you're describing it, I mean, I'm right there in your healing room. And it's, I, you know, words are just so, but I know we're talking to intuitive people. So I know as, as Chris was sharing her process, you know, maybe you were in her, her healing room like I was. And it, it's... God, going to you when you're doing your work, it's just like being at the foot of greatness, Chris, because everything about that is you. And I tend to, you know, our work is just very different. And I tend to kind of be here and then go to heaven, you know, like I tend to go to way <laughs> higher realms and 
And your work makes me feel more human than ever. I mean, you really work with like the animals and this kind of earthy, like you were saying, with caves and this sort of, it's just such a gift to be reminded of this dimension and and put that body back where we are. And you do tend to take pieces of us that fracture off and, and like welcome that home. So I felt that from your work as well. And, you know, people are wondering, I mean, I've had a session with you. I, I have, I think I've had one big surgery, one big surgery since I've known you. And I reached out to you, you know, can you do a journey for me? And you send me back this channel that you've given me of all these protectors that are here, not just the angels, not just the high stuff way, you know, but like, you made me feel really safe in this like earthly dimension that I was going to go under (laughs) for a little while. And this, you know, you can, you'd go to somebody like Chris for like, when I launched my book, I mean, this was kind of like a new territory of vulnerability and transformation in my life where I felt ungrounded and just couldn't really get in my body. And I went to a session with you and with the tools you use and who you are. And again, you're, it's almost like you're more earthy than I am as a soul. You just speak that language and there's so much healing in just being in your presence with how you know how to navigate this dimension is just incredible it's just incredible chris i'm trying to like like hang your shingle and i just want everybody to know what it's like to have a session by you it's just such an honor and you are so masterful in the work that you do well thank you you know flattery is wonderful um <laughs> that's kind but, of you know but i i feel like um one of the, you know becoming comfortable with the idea of like the earth the earth is a source of information and power um that can be very helpful to you physically you know very often when i'm doing a session with somebody i also will get um intuitive information you know i remember one time working with a friend of mine who was who was actually in the same training program i was and i and i saw this horse come into the room and uh you know obviously it's not it's not a 3d real horse and i I asked her like do horses mean anything to you and it turned out to be very important it helped her relax with me a lot because this horse showed up so um very often i'll i'll get little hints of information like that or or i'll ask um you know, I don't see myself as a medical intuitive, but sometimes when I'm working with somebody, I'll, I'll say like, you know, did you ever hurt your knee? Um, were you in an accident or something? And and then they'll tell me the story of, you know, they were in a car accident and hurt their knee. Um, so I've learned, you know, not to freak myself out that I figured that out, but just to be grateful and also in my healing room, I have a lot of stones, you know, I have a lot of crystals and um, and I just find those for me very grounding. And I feel like if I'm grounded, then I can be more helpful to you um, and, and help ground you. So, you know, it's, it, it's very interesting how all kinds of different things play into, into what's going on in an intu- intuitive work with people. Yeah. You know, and the mediumship is, uh, it, it's kind of cool to me because I i hadn't really thought about, oh, I see this person, 
and what do they look like or what do they want to say to, you know, when I was working with you, for instance, the person in the overalls, uh, it's like, oh, that doesn't matter what I think. This isn't for me. This is for the person I'm working with. And that took a while for me to figure out. Yes. I thought I was in charge, you know. Guess what? Ha uh, ha, I'm not. <laughs> but I but I can I can relay information. So absolutely. It's all surrender and saying what you get, even I'm sure with your work, where you're just a channel. You know, you're not deciding what animal or what modality is gonna come up. You really just surrender and listen to what's right for the person that you're serving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I loved what you said. You know, I think that's a really good point. And I, I know I am trying to keep this interview with you shorter, which because I could go hours with you. <laughs> so I'm thinking how to refine it. But um, I think that's such a good point that you make, Chris, where it's so hard for the intuitive, for the sensitive to know how their work looks, because it's never going to look like anybody else's, right? So. Yeah. You have shamanic techniques. Um, you are also a you are also a medical intuitive. You are also a medium. You know, and so I think a lot of sensitive struggle with who am I? Like there's an identity crisis because you can do so many different modalities. Um, I would say to them that you just you just start and you just you. It's like the more you work, the more you create your work, and it unfolds and it evolves. And so we kind of don't have to. Um, pigeonhole ourselves you know we don't have to just say I'm just this or you can you know like for a while I was ma mainly a medium and you know for now I my biggest passion is to train fellow sensitives um, but what would you say to somebody Chris like you who can do a lot of different things and do them really good what would you say to that person because they're scared to just commit to something they're scared to start because they they don't know where because they can what would you say to them well i would i would say find something that you're comfortable with comfortable. again i can use another um another story from my own life okay. when i when we first moved to colorado my son was very little two or three and uh three i think and he developed very bad asthma and, you know, so I was giving him drugs all the time. I was worried about him all the time, especially at night. You know, he would cough and cough and cough. And there wasn't much I could do to help him. So, again, you know, like your lid sometimes, I learned Reiki. And I felt like I had to say to myself, like, you know, even if this stuff doesn't work, it helps me relax. And if I relax... I'm going to be more helpful to my son, um, help him calm down. And lo and behold, I learned that Reiki works. Um, <laughs> but it, but it, I had to overcome my own prejudice. And, uh, you know, I just picked something that seemed um, helpful to me. And it's interesting because in my experience, once you learn one thing, it kind of leads you on to another thing. Might not be instantly, but you'll be open to it when the next experience comes along. Um, so if there's one thing, you know, I, I, needed, I needed help. I wanted to have some purpose um, that ended up helping me be a better helper for my son. And then I learned to help other people. But 
Um, it doesn't have to be something as complicated as Reiki. Um, and to me, Reiki is pretty simple now. Uh, but, you know, if there's something that you're interested in or you want to learn more about, then try and find a class and try and find someone that or a friend, you know, to go with you that you are kind of intrigued by or you like. And just start with that. And, you know, if you want to add more to it, then that'll show up for you too. So you don't have to think like, oh my God, I have to instantly get 10 clients or I'm not a success at what I do. But no, that's not true. You can, you can start very small, one friend or um, one experience. So that helped me a lot relax and stop worrying about, am I good? Uh, how am I ever gonna find anybody to work with me? And one of the things that was helpful to me to realize about this is, you know, there might be 10 people in the room who all know Reiki, but for each of us, there are people who need us specifically, or the people who work with you. There's some people who won't like the way you work, but it doesn't matter if I know how to do what you do. There are people who need you specifically, or me specifically, and then it it helped me relax, like we're not all competing for the same clientele or the same work or anything that, you know, our creator has made us each a little bit different. So honoring that has been a really good experience for me. That's so profound what you said. And I think everybody needs to hear that. And that's, that's what I've come to know too. I mean, your specific way of doing it, nobody else on the planet can. And there's the right person for each of us. So there is no competition. I love that you said that, Chris. I also love that you brought up, you know, we can have sometimes really bad attitudes about the very thing the guides are guiding us to, you know, just that kind of little thing where you said, even if Reiki doesn't work, even if it's just whatever, you know, I'm still going to do it because it helps me calm down. And then you do kind of, you come to find out how powerful it is. And I think that's important because a lot of the stuff I was guided to that was the most transformative for me, I went into kicking and screaming. Mm -hmm. That was kind of my attitude about dousing, you know, especially with the pendulum. I'm like, how, how the hell could that possibly work? And then she hit the fan for me in 2013 and I was a dowsing. <laughs> I came to the world of dowsing because I had to. So I, I think it's just important to also make that note. It's okay if we have bad attitudes or we in our, in our minds, like who cares about Reiki, you know, even if you have that attitude, it's still okay. We, we, you don't know until you kind of prove it to yourself. Yes. I feel yes. like that's a lot of what's had to happen to me too, Chris, when you're really analytical, um, you can have total doubt you can have a bad attitude and yet we still put ourselves through it and we prove it to ourselves. And that's just kind of part of the journey, I think. Well, that opportunity to prove it to yourself is yeah. uh, for me anyway, it's been, um, you know, because Sometimes I have fear around something. I, oh, I don't want people to know I can do this or they'll think I'm weird or crazy or whatever. And just to become, it's like, eh, what other people think of me is really 
not my business. I want to do my work, and if it works for you, good, then we can work together. And stop looking at some of the things that made, made me come to some of these gifts way later in my life than I might have if I had found a different kind of teacher earlier. And, and yet it was the perfect time for me. So I can't look back and say, oh, I wish I had done this or I wish I had done that. It's like, yeah, but look where I am today. And that's cool. So not, not to worry about what other people think or what your family thinks. They don't have to know necessarily either. So, um, you know, I like, yeah. I like that piece of it. Thank you for reminding everybody that that permission to it is it's a anything that we are guided to it's it's a it's a private journey it's a spiritual journey it's guidance and you don't owe an explanation to everybody and it you prove it to yourself well before we prove it to others in fact have we have you ever tried to prove something to somebody else that you didn't even believe yourself <laughs> what a well, I wanted to ask you, because I, I I think I heard you say, um, you know, you did you see spirits as a little kid? You know, how how did your mediumship, did it manifest? Did it show itself when you were little? And if so, well, go ahead and answer that question, honey. Well, I, I said I grew up in a house um, that had a spirit of somebody who committed suicide. But she was, um, I could see her and my bedroom, the, the door to my bedroom happened to be right across the hall from the door to the third floor of my house. And I could hear somebody like, walk, you know, because the hallway was next to me. I could hear somebody walking around and, you know, but it never, it never bothered me upstairs. And then one time, I remembered I was upset about something. I was very young. I, I don't remember, four or five. And I was very upset about something. And I heard these footsteps come and come down the stairs across from my, and this wouldn't have happened if somebody was standing there watching, but I heard the door open and close and somebody came into my room. And I could see this woman. She was, you know, she was an adult, but my, I don't know, maybe she was 20 or something like that. And she just, she didn't come over to me, but she just stood there and she was a very comforting presence. And so, you know, and she stayed a while and I felt a lot better. Went back to sleep and I guess she went back to wherever she lived, upstairs. And I've had a few experiences like that as a kid. And so I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know enough to think that was weird. Nobody had ever told me, like, you can't do that. You can't see that, whatever. And so I, and I know I used to go, I used to like to play outside in a particular part of my yard that was near a flower garden that my mother had. And I could see, I don't know, fairies maybe and, and uh, taking care of the flowers. So I used to really like to sit out there. It was under a big tree. It was nice and shady. Um, it was the summertime. And so sometimes I could see the elementals too. And you know that, again, that wasn't scary to me. It was very comforting. And uh, 
I don't know, somewhere along the way I learned to, I didn't want to see those things anymore because people had told, or my mother probably, had told me like, that's your imagination. That's not real. It doesn't exist. So I allowed myself to think like, that's not real and push it away. It came back, you know, or I'd still have experiences. But I learned to censor myself, which was unfortunate. But gee, I could see those things and where I could, I would think that's a big tree that I used to like to play under. The tree talked to me. It was never in words, but again, it was just like, um, I'm here, it's a beautiful day, the sun is out, the wind is blowing, and I would receive that as comfort. So um, it's probably always been there, but it took me a long time to be willing to develop it. Okay. When you were quite young, when your father passed away as well, were you in your 20s? Is that what you told me? Yeah, I was uh, 28 when my father died. So I'm so not a kid. Well, yeah. but You're young. Long, long before I was willing to part with him. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Did you feel like when he crossed over, did you get messages from him or signs? Did you feel close to him, honey? Or how did that look for you? Well... My father came to visit me at the time he died. He, um, I saw him, and I wasn't really developed enough because I wish I would have talked to him more. But he came into the room I was in, and he was dressed in his Sunday best. So he, again, the door did not open to my room, but I saw it open. And he... You know, he had on his blue suit, and red tie, and a white shirt, and his hair was all brushed back, and, you know, he looked really fancy, and I could see his pants and his shiny shoes, and he came over and sat down in a chair that happened to be next to my bed, and uh, I was kind of flipped out. I mean, I wasn't afraid, but I was like, oh, my God, what's happening here? And he... Um, you know, he just told me he's okay and everything is fine, not to worry, and kind of sat there. And I thought, oh, he wants me to talk to him. And so I said, oh, you should go see mom now, dad, you know? <laughs> like, ah, I don't know how to deal with this. And he did, you know, he, he said, okay, um, it's, it's good to see you or whatever we said, I love you. And I saw him walk out of the room and I've never never seen him so clearly since, but I absolutely knew that was my father. So it was cool too. That was like a full-on visit with yes. an extra, I would say an extra source of energy to make sure he wanted to make sure he, that was as real as possible for you. Yes. You have no doubt that your mediumship, which you are you were at the time, but right, you you know, we don't have these these skills and and in a lot of ways we're shutting them down. So I do feel like we have this lifetime of, of missing out on these profound moments. Like you said, he's there and he's textural and you're like, okay, hi, bye. You know, go see mom. <laughs> I, I did that so much. I, my grandpa was on his deathbed. I mean, days before he passed and I, and he was raised like Southern Baptist. And I know there was a lot of programming in him where he was afraid to cross over. And he mm -hmm. literally reached out to me on the phone and he asked, you know, you know, what, what are you doing, Kate? 
what are you doing professionally? I know he was trying to get me to talk about, you know, I'm a public medium grandpa. And I, I changed the subject to how's the weather because I, I just had no confidence in my skills to be able to answer these questions for him in this profound moment in his life. And, but nonetheless, you had that, that experience with your father and you were there for that. It, you might've cut it short, but you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of kind of when we can integrate this part of ourselves, you know, we can have more of those experiences and we can be there fully consciously when our loved ones are visiting us and not cut it short out of insecurity or fear or doubt, you know, whatever mm-hmm. kind of comes up to block that moment in us as humans. Um, fast forward to maybe 20 years later, is that when your brother crossed over? Yeah, I was in I was in my forties when uh, when my brother left in an, another. If you let me have a little time, another experience was my brother died of melanoma, which is a uh, skin cancer, and he was in the hospital, and I was staying overnight with him because they really didn't think that he would make it, and I just volunteered to spend the night with him, and I was kind of a. I was terribly anxious. It's like I didn't, of course, I didn't want my brother to pass. And I felt like it was just a, I was, I was alone or I didn't have anybody, excuse me, with me. And, you know, so I was pretty anxious. And then I, my brother was, he didn't die that night, but, you know, he was, he was very, had a very high fever. He was breathing funny. Um, so I couldn't really talk to him. But at some point where I was feeling so anxious, I felt that I didn't see him this time, but I felt the presence of my father. And, you know, that he was he was just there. And I realized, like, it just made it so easy for me because I felt like I don't remember him saying anything, but I had this feeling that he was telling me not to be worried about my brother because he was there to help my brother if my brother did cross over. And I was there with him in case he didn't cross over, that he would still have that company. And I can't tell you how reassuring that was. It was like, then I wasn't, whatever I felt I realized was my stuff and not fear for my brother. So, because my father would be there for him and you know, I, I, I just can't deny experiences like this. And eventually I got to, you know, I'm pretty comfortable with it now. And I love to hear other people's stories. Um, and I and I love to share mine. So that's the brother-dad story. <laughs> I love that, Chris, because it's, you know, that's why it, it still baffles me when, when this, you're psychic, you're connected to heaven, you're medium, you know, whenever that's kind of this thing that humans aren't. I don't understand that because everybody has that story of when their loved one was on the precipice of crossing over. They, you know, it's not just mediums. It's not just, it's everybody. Everybody Everybody is psychic medium. And yes, these things can manifest in those really intense, you can't deny it's happening moments. You know, it's life and death. It's at the precipice of, something profound that we can't deny these aspects of us i feel like my work is so that you can live in the profound every day of your life you know a lot of people have asked me you know 
anyone who finds out my story or my biography, they're like, how can you be so happy and loving? And it's like, I think because I live in the shadow of death as a medium makes me appreciate life. <laughs> you know, yes. Yes. I, mean, I, I work as a medium professionally, you know, I live in the shadow of death and I mean, it makes life look pretty damn sweet because you're, I'm in every moment aware it can be, it can be, you know, we can cross over. It can be, you know, the earthly part of our humanity can be gone in a moment. And so yeah. why the hell not? Um, and it, it, I think it humbles me to make me just appreciate every moment. Um, not just that profoundness of when somebody I love desperately is about to cross over. In fact, I'm a little bit more immature in those moments. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's a real challenge, you know. But, but again, I remember, I don't know, after my brother did pass, I was having a terrible day where I just was grief-stricken all day and I was alone in my house for usually I'm not. Um, and, and I was, you know, really having a hard time and I heard this voice. It, it didn't sound like anybody I knew, but it was very clear. And it just said, what if there is no death? Mm. You know, and it just, I almost started laughing because it was such a contrast to what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And of course, I, you know, I'm a human being. I'm anxious about death or what's going to happen. Um, but it's, you know, to think like it's just a passage. You know, it's just a passage that our loved ones do continue to exist. And we can contact them and they can be around us. Um, and that's really just a shift in attitude to be able to open up to that more. So, you know, the work you do to teach others others to trust their own intuition and guidance, and um, it just expands your worldview so much. It's a wonderful, a wonderful thing. Thank you, honey. That was going to be my next question. My next question to you was, um, what impact did my mentorship have on you? And you can just talk about the second round if you wanted to, or you could talk about the difference between way back in the day versus now, or how did it impact your life? Well, I think I think you've had a very profound impact on my life. You're, you know, you're you're a very good example through your own life and your own journey. Um, to me, you know, you you helped me in the beginning when we were doing exercises or the group, you know, just sort of maybe learn how to read each other. I would find out information and I had to do that whole internal wrestle of, should I even say anything? What if everybody thinks I'm a jerk or I'm stupid or, you know, it doesn't mean anything. And that, that was kind of, Kind of my beginning was learning to, even though I got feedback from you or other people, I still couldn't trust myself. And then when you came back from California and you had um, kind of that evidential way of teaching, it was like, oh, I know what you're talking about now. This was a whole different level for me that allowed me to understand more or believe more in what I learned, what I saw, what I heard. And to totally lose that fear is like, 
oh, well, you know, if I tell Katie there's a man in overalls and she tells me there's nobody that she knows that wears overalls, it was kind of like, oh, that's okay. You oh, well, know, the next. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll move on, you know. So that was very important for me to learn because that process taught me to understand your gifts, my gifts, the gifts of other people I've known in my life. And again, to look at it and say, oh, that person sees the same thing a little bit differently. Um, but that, but we're both connecting into the same thing. So uh, I could relax. It could be, you know, it could be more fun. It could be something I could help somebody else with. So, you know, you, you, I would hate to lose you as a friend or, or a teacher now, you know? It's like, I'm used to having Katie in my, in my life. Or what, what are you going to do next? Because I want to know. Because it has been, you know, it has been helpful. And uh, it's cool because I also realized, like, I think in the beginning I thought, like, well, you're so much younger than I am, or you understand this so much better because you started it sooner than I did. And to realize, like, no, it's just our our paths as human beings and how lucky we are to cross paths. So, you know, thank you for everything. Well, you're part of my soul family, so you can't get rid of me. <laughs> I'll see you on the other side. Um, I one of two two things stand out. I mean, first of all, I, I literally like in our first session in the new way I trained, it's like I just gave you a few cues and you trust me, you know, and that's the thing about having a mentor that you trust because yeah. it is you're so vulnerable. If I say, Chris, look out here, you know, if we 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 can be so insecure and like I'm gonna make a fool of myself, I'm not gonna be able to do with it. And I hear that time and time again with students. It's like, had I not known you and trusted you so much, I couldn't have done it because it's just too scary. Yes. Now, yes. I mean, like two things profoundly. Like I took you, I think I was having you do a remote view of my grandma. Um, I think I told you, okay, you know, 1980s, my grandma's property go, you know, and you just started telling me the stuff that you saw. And it's like, I, it just blows my, the work blows my mind because you saw, you saw the fields and you described the circle and you just went right there. And so you time traveled just like that with evidential stuff. I could show you a picture of the stuff that you brought in clairvoyantly. And the second thing that, well, I'll never forget this because it was such a moment of tr the trust you had for me when you came for your um, session and I had my husband sitting in the reading chair <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, you didn't freak out. You just sat down and I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You know, and I sat next to you on the other side and that little refinement where right away you saw both of his grandfathers but I, the one I knew you wanted to connect with wasn't talking as loudly as the other one. And so just with a couple little refinements, you know, because sometimes we get scared and we just start saying what we get, which is just perfectly normal for all of us. You just slowed it down enough to get the one you wanted to talk to to stand in front of you. And then it clicked for you and you were able to describe what he was wearing, his mannerisms and it was just such a, not only a proud moment for me as your mentor, but Maurice, um, my husband was, it just blew his mind. And I was so excited to share, like, look at this profound work and look at, look at how 
freaking talented Chris is. It just took a few little things and you you just gave him such a beautiful reading. And it's uh it's just incredible. It's just incredible. <laughs> um what were you gonna say, honey? Well, I, I, and also, you know, I remember being really freaked out about that. Um, <laughs> but I think the thing that scared me even more was one time you had your son sit there. Oh. And I'm thinking like, uh-oh, this is a little kid, you know? I'm not going to be able to fool this little kid or whatever <laughs> I thought about. It. What if I'm not perfect? And because I know he's intuitive too. And it was just... Oh, but I, I like kids. There's something very sweet about their energy. And they're not, you know, they're not as uh, defended as adults are. So I felt like I learned something that, oh, maybe it's a little easier to touch in for a kid um, because of that. So again, it was lowering my own fear of not being perfect. So you know, that's, well, maybe that isn't something that a lot of other people worry about, but I do, because I, I don't want to be stepping into something that's a challenge for me and not do a good job for the, for the person I'm working with. I love that you said that, honey, because that's so true. We as a, a person, you know, maybe we're more comfortable with women than men. So when we're reading a man, or if the spirit's a man, maybe we shut down a little bit because we're afraid of that. Or yeah, we, especially as mamas, which you and I are fundamentally mamas, there is this like extra protection for children. There's this extra standard. And so we don't know our vulnerability because we, you know, we're used to being the mommies. And so whether we're working with women or men or children, the work is the same we just sit down and listen and surrender to the information. And I love that you said that because we as a person, it's a kid and we do all this gymnastics, like, well, mm -hmm. you know, what's my boundary? Oh my God, they're going to see through me. You know, <laughs> maybe they won't understand what I'm saying. And it's just, we just, our job is to sit down and just do the work and we have no mm -hmm. control. We, we mm -hmm. try to control sort of the process. You know, we get to, um, we get to organize the information, but we're not in control of who goes, who talks, um, what the message is. We have no control. And that that's such a scary place to, to get to um, just because of all, all of our patterns and belief systems that the person triggers, you know, again, whether it's children and how we feel about children or mommies or young women or I remember after you read my son, his first thing was, when are you going to train me, mom? <laughs> I was so impressed with you. I remember, it's like, when's my turn in the chair? <laughs> Just so impressed with the work that you did. And those are the little games I play with them where like, they'll tell me about what a teacher's talking about and I'll tune in. I'm like, is the teacher have, you know, short hair? Is it curly? And they're like, yeah, that's right. You know, or sometimes with a, with my husband, I'll be like, you know, he'll talk about somebody at work and I'll say, well, do they have short brown hair? And he'll be like, no. And it's like, it's dark blonde, you know. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, since you've completed the mentorship, since you did all put in all that time and energy, kind of proving your gift to yourself. Is do you have a different relationship with how you connect to your loved ones on the other side now, Chris? Oh, I think so. I think um, 
I feel like it's a lot easier to connect. Um, I feel more confident in in knowing that they're around. Um, I am more aware of than I was before of signs that you know I stop and think like, oh, hi Jim, my brother, or hi Dad, or you know things like that. And maybe I don't have a long conversation, but I feel like, oh, this person, this person is not unreachable. And um, you know, I I ask for. Uh, I ask for guidance or help sometimes, and sometimes I'm asking it from a bigger level than where we go when we're spirit, you know, like God, or I'm looking for a bigger level like that, but that connection works better too, so I feel like it's a, it's just such a gift, and then I'm, I'm kind of having a hard time now because I'm still recovering from having been so ill and maybe I don't, I don't, I don't have as much endurance, you know, it's like, I feel like sometimes I get tired, um, but that was never my experience before. It would, it would kind of charge me up to do a reading for somebody or work with somebody because I felt like the energy moved through me and helped me too. Um, and now it's, uh, now it's much better than it used to be. I don't get so tired so fast, but I'm still, I'm still working on it. And some of it is, I don't like to admit how old I am either, you know, but maybe some of that is, uh, well, I'm slowing down a little bit because I'm a little older, but that's okay. Then I just take the time and relax about it instead of think I'm failing or whatever judgments I could have put on myself at the time. Yes. Oh, I love that. And that's the truth with the, you know, once we integrate this part of ourself, it's not like we don't demand our family to give us big bells and whistles anymore. Right. You know, your dad can just come in and say hi and it's enough. And you can mm -hmm. feel that connection. We kind of don't demand of them that they move a door and you know <laughs> the spirit gymnastics to prove it to us, prove it to us. Well, that would make me run out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Opposite effect. Have you noticed any more confidence in who you are or in yourself now that you really have integrated your intuition, Chris? Oh, yes. I feel like uh, I understand myself much better. I uh, I just do have much more confidence. Um, and, you know, that's that's pretty much the work the word that I would uh, that I would use because somebody can ask me a question and I'll I'll say what I get and I don't worry about whether they like that or not. Um, and, you know, I try to be respectful of the other person, too. So I'm not going to say something, you know, if I get a feeling like mm, that person's not going to receive that very well, so then I don't say it. But it's that confidence of knowing, having a deep inner sense of, I can do this. I can do this. And maybe today I don't feel like it, but it doesn't mean I can't do it tomorrow. Um, it's there and I can use it um, and that's definitely come from you know working with you because 
I see you just go ahead and do whatever it is and say what you get. And I, you know, when you've done work for me and the, t and the teaching also, it's like, it just rings so true. I know that what you're telling me is true for me. And uh, I'm hoping that, you know, lots of other, and it was scary to me to say, uh, okay, I'll participate in what you're offering or mm, I'll book a session with you. And then I'm kind of like, oh, what if I hear something I don't want to hear? Or, you know, what if it doesn't work out? And it's kind of like, ah, that's not going to happen. So, um, you, you know, you've been a role model literally in that way to help me, but the, really the coaching, um, the one-on-one -on -one coaching it's, and group coaching too, but especially the one-on-one -on -one coaching has transformed not only my um, level of ability, but as you said, my confidence in my ability. So wonderful. It is. I'm so happy to hear that, honey. Um, as we wrap up, do you have a message for someone who's listening right now? You know, that might, you know, that's confronting self-doubt or maybe fear of exposure or what if they are really good at it, then what? You know, sort of, do you have a message for anybody that is just on that precipice of taking that next step to just really finally knowing who they are as spirit, as a soul, because I feel like intuition is the language of the soul. So it's a big deal in regards to you do get to know who you are, finally. Yeah. And, you know, some of the some of the fears that I had was I'm going to discover something about myself I don't like, or I'm going to have to admit that, you know, I'm not the most wonderful person that ever lived or you know, and, and however you want to um, picture that for yourself. But for me, I felt like, uh, you know, if you have, if you have a friend or you have a sibling or even your dog or your cat or whatever that you feel comfortable with, there's no reason you can't start talking to or working with that person um, as you can ask them to help you uh, to give you feedback on stuff and yeah that that takes some courage or it takes thinking about it or finding someone like that but in my experience there's there's always been somebody that I could feel more comfortable with and admit some of these things that I felt like would have gotten me branded or burnt at stake or whatever in, in other timelines. And once I feel more comfortable with that, then I might work with somebody I know less well. Um, and so I just really want to encourage people to try. Uh, just go ahead and try. And don't worry if you're wrong or the person tells you wrong, you are wrong. Um, you might be telling them the truth and they don't want to hear it. So they're going to tell you, no, 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 that, that's not possible. So it's, it's really a matter of learning. I can believe myself and going forward with that. And it always helps to have someone with you on your path. And if you don't talk to the mirror, I mean, 
you can have a conversation with yourself, which I took a while to learn. And sometimes I actually do. And that's helpful too. So, um, you know, I'm the first one I have to believe in this work. So go ahead and try, just start. I love that, just start. Sometimes we have no choice but to start and we don't yes. want to get to the point that we don't have a choice but to start. You know, <laughs> the thing that they say when you get guidance, you know, they'll send a little message, you know, they'll send a helicopter, then a boat, you know, whatever it takes for them to get through to us. Right. Just give us a little nudge and we're we're brave enough to just start. I love that, Chris, because it is as simple as that. We make it so much harder than it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. So I want to let the audience know that I'm Chris is generous enough to let us. Um, I'm going to attach um, a contact information for Chris, um, and that will be in the show notes of this podcast. And I just want to say thank you to you, Chris. I mean, because I said yes, 2011, 2010, whenever I met you, um, because I said yes, I know you. And you've been such a huge part of my life. I mean, you were there from the first Ask a Medium all the way to the reading and the edits of my book and how lucky I am. And I mean, I wouldn't know you if I didn't say yes. And if I just, the world opens up and we have no idea the relationships that are there on the other side of it. And there's mm -hmm. like, there's soul family and there are people waiting for us to meet those, meet each other in those moments of the vulnerability of all the yeses we have to say along the way. And um, I just want to thank you. Thank you for sharing your story, Chris. Thank you for the vulnerability and the honesty um, that it takes to walk this path of spirit and the vulnerability and the willingness to learn the complexities of it um, so that it can become the most simple thing that we do. Well, and I, you know, I have to say to you too, at that, I think that was 2010, our first Ask a Medium is, you know, I'm a pretty introverted person. So when there was a whole group of people, I didn't know who the medium was. Oh, and here's this beautiful woman over there. And I can maybe, I'll, or we were next to each other and I actually said hello instead of hiding in the corner someplace. And I just felt like <clears throat> I was so comfortable with you. And then, oh my God, you were the medium, you know? It's like, <laughs> if I'd known that, I probably wouldn't have talked to you. So it's, it's just that, you know, sometimes you're blessed to make a connection with somebody that you're not expecting, you're not looking for. And that person turns out to be, um, you know, a real asset in your life. So I have to close with that too and say, you know, from that very first day, um, you know, sometimes we've had our ups and downs or whatever, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here without you. So I'm very grateful that you had that first event. What if you hadn't? Well, then I might not have met you, you know? So. <laughs> Absolutely. I wanted to drop dead on the drive to that event. I was so scared. <laughs> I was so scared. And like you, I mean, I'm really shy. So I, I thought the shyness alone would make me not do it. But you walked right in and I was like, hello. <laughs> I was so comfortable. Again, the guides had somebody in my soul family right there that had my back. And you would be part of my journey. You will continue to be part of my journey. And we'll just see each other on the other side. 
Mm-hmm. So, or since I'm so much older than you, you might get knock, knock, knock at you. <laughs> <laughs> the ghosts are waving. <laughs> Whatever. I love it. I'll just keep talking to you. Okay. Thank right. you so much. Chris. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. If you're interested in finding out which is the strongest Claire in you, Go to my website at katesaintclair.com and take the quiz, Which Claire Are You? Until next time, remember, it's your birthright to be guided and be great.